Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We are here to talk money and politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and also the host of More Money on WABC Radio, which follows this show. I don't know why nobody ever puts that in for me to pitch it, but there you are, More Money. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that, finally, Larry. I know. It's really bad. I know. You think I've only been doing this 20-some-odd years. So I, I want to talk about the um, the Kevin McCarthy stuff, but Steve Moore, just before we do that, uh, reading the weekend edition of the um, Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, newsletter. Uh, Art Laffer's book is coming out. We're going to have uh, yeah. celebrations in various cities. Lower tax rates, higher revenues. Let me just read this. When the top tax rate has been cut and held at reduced levels, as in the 1920s, the 1960s, and the long boom of the 1980s and 90s, Briefly, in the late 2010s, astonishing reversals have occurred. The rich have brought their money out of hiding and put it to work in the economy. The huge swings in the American economy since 1913 have had an inverse relationship to income tax rates. Just talk for a minute about the (laughs) bald truth of that statement, sometimes referred to as the Laffer Curve. Well, it, it just it, it fits like a glove that uh, just as Lapper said in that introduction to his book, Larry, that it, it's um, virtually every time we have <clears throat> cut income tax rates, good things have happened for the economy. Good things have happened for jobs. Um, and uh, and every time we've had big tax increases, um, it's just the opposite. And one of the points Arthur makes in the book is a book uh, point that you make in your book about uh, what was Reagan and the JFK uh, what was the title of that book again? Uh, JFK and the Reagan Revolution. Revolution, yeah. <laughs> he kind of makes a similar point, which is I had forgotten. You know, I mean, JFK, of course, was a Democrat. And you have a lot of passages in your book about how JFK, you know, basically said, you know, if you cut tax rates, you're going to liberate the economy and get more growth. And uh, I don't understand why it is that Democrats <clears throat> today are so hostile to that message, because it worked for Reagan, it worked for JFK, and it, it worked for that other president. You worked for Calvin Coolidge, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, we're gonna, I'm going to moderate. Uh, uh, Amity Slays is doing a Coolidge thing in Washington next month. I'm going to moderate it. But Donald Trump did cut corporate tax rates. And, the and, and Trump, yep. Results were very, very good. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, Liz, peak on the Art Laffer. So if you tax something less, you get more of it. The incentive effect of um, uh, keeping more of what you earn or more of what you invest gets people to um, take a more active position in the economy, to work more, to invest more, to grow more. And that increases incomes, which are taxed uh, at the lower rate, but you get even higher 
revenues. But Arthur, but Arthur makes it a related point, and that is when you lower marginal tax rates, tax avoidance goes down. Tax yeah. avoidance is one of the biggest losers in the IRS revenue game. And a lot of people forget that, Liz Peek. And I think that's a really important point. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. And there's so much data to back up this premise. I mean, look at uh, state versus state results. Uh, one of the great cottage industries in New York right now is getting out of New York tax-wise. Mm-hmm. And it's a really sad thing because it's obviously hurting New York. We all look down the road and we can't imagine New York's finances getting any better the only solution Democrats will come up with who control the state is to raise taxes. So it just puts a premium on getting out now. And as you pro- both probably know, and your listeners probably are aware, it's extremely difficult to leave New York state and city. Uh, you have to kind of do all kind, make all kinds of changes to your life, including <laughs> changing your doctors, changing your uh, physical uh-huh. residence, et cetera, <laughs> because they're so viciously greedy. Right. But, But here's the point you guys are missing, with all due respect. Democrats don't care about the growth of the private economy. They care about the growth of the public economy. They care about the growth of the federal government and and also state governments and city governments. They think that is a better uh, path to prosperity Mm. than the private sector. And that's why they're willing to forego the, uh, the growth in the private sector and rather want to compound their uh, problems by raising taxes and putting more uh, money and power in the hands of politicians. I'm afraid that's actually true. No, I think that's true. They've become socialists. They're not Democrats. They were JFK yeah. Democrats. There are a lot of conservatives. Wilbur Mills was a key JFK advisor to reducing tax rates in the 1960s. By the way, um, uh, Norman Turay who was Reagan's undersecretary of the Treasury and a huge supply sider, worked for Wilbur Mills in the 1960s. Just want to put that in. Those Democrats are gone. They're gone. So you're right, uh, the socialist Democrats. Now, that's a perfect hook into my next thought here, and that the Freedom Caucus has made the commitment to America so much better and made Kevin McCarthy's platform so much better that I really think this is a bullish, positive development. He finally got it last night. Um, it's pro-growth. Uh, it's balanced budgets. It's no tax hikes. Uh, it's going to open the spigots. It's going to do a lot of good things. Uh, it's going to go back to regular order. I mean, you know, the, the, the commitment to America, Steve, was kind of fuzzy. Didn't really spell out the kind of stuff we wanted it spelled out. And I think, you know, these guys – did a pretty good job. I know it was touch and go. I know there was some personality in there and some, you know, spear throwing like there always is. But basically, I think this is turning out to be a very good story, Steve. What you thinking? I think it's a big, big victory for the conservative movement. And I think these 20 um, who stood up and said no um, against ferocious opposition are heroes. And I don't look, I don't agree with every one of them and I don't agree with every demand that they made. But this was a big deal, and it's so interesting to me. Even even my friends at the Wall Street Journal editorial board, where I, you know, once worked, they don't get it. They, they don't get they, it. They they even you know call them the chaos, yeah. uh, the chaos caucus, and so on. And you they know, I just wrote a piece on this, Larry, just before it came on the show. 
making the point that, you know, if it takes a little chaos to get some of these things done, I'm all for it. And it was the media. It was President Biden. It was uh, the Republican establishment. Um, it was the lobbyists in Washington. It was the swamp that was against everything these guys were trying to do. And so I applaud them. I think that we should have a victory celebration for what they were able to accomplish. And I, I want more of it. Look, they were disruptors. Right. And, and it wasn't always pretty. These things never are, but they were disruptors. And, you know, I don't know what all these specifics are going to be, but the generic rule changes here. Right. Uh, Liz Peak, the generic rule changes here. The whole thing can be summarized in a return to regular order, not only yeah. for not only for budgets, which is vital by itself, but for tax policy, for energy policy, uh, for judiciary, uh, you know, oversight policy. This is a triumph of the committee structure, which is an open, transparent process holding hearings with witnesses and so forth. And that is yeah. a big change from the centralized you know, approaches that have given you 4,000-page omnibus bills. This is a good thing. Yes, and with all due respect, can I just say, I have been out there for a week saying this was a good thing and that there were some problems with the way the House has been managed. And I was like the lone voice. In fact, I think everyone was mad at me for (laughs) supporting these guys. I mean, really. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, guess what? I mean, the way the House has been run under Nancy Pelosi is like a dictatorship. It is completely right. wrong. Uh, there hasn't been open debate on the floor. There's not been an amendment from open debate on the floor think I, since, I think, six, 2016. Uh, all, I mean, it, it, her, she left yesterday or last night saying something about you seeing the shrinking of the gavel. Well, you know what? That's a good thing. Why should the Speaker of the House have total say? But to the policy points, yes, what they're talking about is stuff we should all be applauding. And in fact, I went through their demands uh, in a piece on Tuesday saying almost every American would agree that ha- dropping a 4,000-page bill full of pork is completely anathema to the way our country should be run. But it, let's move to the bigger picture. The bigger picture is we actually do need to take some tough positions on federal yeah. spending Uh, And and Medicare and Social Security, the kicking the can down the road is irresponsible. And that is what our legislators have been doing for a decade. So we had this huge increase in federal spending because of covid. Okay, that's over now. The Democrats don't know it's over. They don't want it to be over. But now is the time to assert a really different point of view and a different discipline. And I'm cheered that someone had the guts to say this. I, I really, um, honestly, I was shocked all week. And I, yes, I just read the Wall Street Journal thing. And it's a very corporate kind of position, yeah. it seems to me, honestly. Uh, I'm not impressed with that. I think we need a little bit of feisty disruption. Guess what? They're referring to like 2011 when uh, we, yes, but we put caps on spending. And that's what these guys are aiming to do. Yeah, right. I say, mm-hmm. go for it. Yep, caps on spending, pay go. They call it cut go. I had Scott mm-hmm. Scott Perry on the head of the Freedom Caucus called it cut go. I like that. Um, I think Steve, one of the rule changes uh, will be a three fifths supermajority for any tax hikes. I like that. I, I know they're aiming for a 
balanced budget. I mean, I've talked for months about the need to put in the principle of a pro-growth balanced budget. I mean, Newt Gingrich talked about this. And it's funny, I would have Kevin McCarthy on, who I like very much and I supported him, uh, and Kevin would talk about it, but it wasn't in the, it wasn't in the commitment, and they never really talked about it. And you got to talk about it in order to get these spending cuts. You got to talk about it. Your your piece on the PAYGO, remember you said you would have cut 130 billion out of the mm-hmm. island. That's right. So all this stuff's going to make a comeback, and the rules committee yeah. the rules committee is going to be expanded to have these conservatives. So that's good. I mean, I think McCarthy they're helping McCarthy, not hurting yeah. him, and they're going to help the economy. Well put. And I, I said, when you were talking, I was thinking about a famous story when Tom Coburn, uh, the great fiscal mm-hmm. conservative in the Senate, uh, first met with President George W. Bush. And the, and the first thing he said was, to him was, Mr. President, I'm going to help you spend less money. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that's, that's, that's what we need from uh, from. Uh, yeah. So I kind of agree with your core point there that actually McCarthy in some ways is a winner here too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took, it was a brutal week for him. No question about it. And, and maybe that's not such a bad thing. He can be a kind of arrogant guy and maybe knocking him down around a little bit. Wasn't a bad thing, but actually this in some ways gives him more power. If he really wants to do the things that he said he wanted to do in the commitment, because this creates a kind mm-hmm. of roadmap and rules changes that do exactly that. The dirty little secret was that the commitment to America was a wussy document. Right. Yeah. It just was. We wanted it to be good, and we talked it up. But when you actually read it, Liz, there was no yeah, teeth in it at all. And yeah. uh, what these conservatives have done is put teeth in it. And and by the way, there's a reason Republicans didn't do well in the midterm elections. And yes, yes. we took the House, but we barely took the House. And part of the there are a whole bunch of things you can talk about. But one reason is voters really didn't think the Republicans made a strong case. They didn't really know what Republicans stood for. And part of it was the failings, yes, of that commitment to America. The reality is, and one of the reasons there was such opposition to McCarthy is there's no there's no evidence that he really does want a balanced budget. There's no I mean, he's been all over the place back in 2009, 10, when he was the young gun. Yeah, he really believed in, you know, a, a fiscal sobriety and all this kind of stuff. But he's kind of gotten squishy. And let, let me tell you something. It's not just the three of us who've noticed that. Voters have noticed that. Mm. And and there are a lot of people out there on Twitter and emailing me saying, hey, we don't really think uh, that Republicans are committed to this. And, and what we see is just incredibly, uh, incredibly growing debt. No one really stepping in front of it. McConnell, I mean, honestly, the anger about the omnibus bill and Mm -hmm. the fact that they didn't go for a continuing resolution. I mean, now we have a two year Republican House, which basically had zero input on an entire year's spending. That is so wrong. And and really, um, I got to tell you, Republican voters across the country are furious about this. So all the drama, all of that that took place. You know what? I think it was very healthy because um, a lot of people wanted to see someone stand up and say no more. I think uh, I'm going to bring my eighth, my eight month old puppy into this discussion, uh, whose name is Grace, too. And the the conservatives uh, are going to keep uh, Kevin McCarthy 
pardon the phrase, on a short leash. Okay, Mm -hmm. just the way I have to with low grace, I got to keep her on a very short leash sometimes. You're going to keep my short leash, and that is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. And they've sharpened all this. Now, we'll see. Um, Steve Moore, I haven't looked, or either of you, I haven't looked. Uh, Congressman French Hill was on at the top of the show, said that the rule changes are posted um, on the Republican House website. I haven't seen it. Uh, when I get back home, I guess I'll look for it. So we don't know all that's going to be in there. Um, but I think it's a really positive thing. I, look, I think yesterday was the Kevin McCarthy rally or it was the, mm-hmm. um, you know, conservative Republican rally, 700 points. I don't think it had a ding- thing to do with jobs. I know every, nobody agrees with that. Nobody understands that. <laughs> I'll so, take it. Supply side thinking. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to let's take a quick break. Let's let's muse a little bit on what kind of policies they can go for, starting with a pro-growth, pro-prosperity balanced budget. We're talking to Liz Peake of Fox News and syndicated columnist Steve Moore, Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And Steve's show, More Money, he hosts that show. It follows this show directly. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Now back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're here with Liz Peake and we're here with Steve Moore. It's interesting, on the Fox uh, News website, uh, they were talking about the best line in, in um, Kevin McCarthy's speech last night, our nation is worth fighting for. That's a great line. Um, Republicans went wild over that. Democrats sat quietly sucking their thumbs, which is so typical. Um, look, at I want them to put together a balanced budget. Now, Liz's point is correct. Because of the omnibus and the CR didn't get done, it uh, they have to deal with 2024. They can't cover the last nine months of 2023. But uh, a, a, a pro-growth balanced budget, make the Trump tax cuts permanent, slash spending, particularly domestic spending, particularly discretionary spending, um, open the spigots for oil and gas. And I think, kids, now you have to tell me, uh, French Hill mentioned this, um, the Holman rule which can defund specific agencies uh, based on policy issues. You know, so that, uh, for example, the IRS uh, and that travesty Mm -hmm. of the age. Now, I don't know enough about the Holman rule, but maybe one of you do. But that's the, in other words, a balanced budget, you may not get it because obviously it's subject to economic vagaries and so forth and so on. But it's a good way to look at the world where we haven't looked at the world that way. Uh, before, but it has to be pro-growth. It's not a root canal balanced budget. So what do you guys think about that? So uh, can I just say one thing? I think when they were making their demands, and I'm not sure how it ended up, it wasn't that you had to have a balanced budget for next year or two years from now. It was that if you're going to raise the debt ceiling, which has to Mm -hmm. be done, I think, around July, that they Mm -hmm. have to have a plan, a fiscal plan, 10 years out, in which eventually the budget is balanced. And again, everybody's hair caught on fire. I think that's pretty reasonable mm-hmm. idea. I mean, isn't there, it has happened after all in modern times that we achieved a balanced budget. It's pretty fair to argue that with a $5 trillion jump in federal debt because of COVID, we have to take a little bit of an austerity uh, program going forward, which you get to, to your point, Larry, not via uh, simply austerity and cutting uh, um, spending, but also engineering some revival of growth. And that, it seems to me, is a pretty darn reasonable expectation. 
I mean, Steve, we've designed this in the past. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, Russ Vote, by the way, has redone it. Uh, Trump's last budget actually did it, by the way. Um, that, of course, was ignored because of the uh, 2020 COVID stuff and so forth. But the point is, um, you got to make allowances here. You got to have s- dynamic scoring. You got to keep the Trump tax cuts permanent, particularly the corporate tax cuts. I didn't think the personal side was that great, but the corporate side is what you want to maintain. And then Arthur's always talking about, you know, building back towards a low rate flat tax idea. So you have a lot of ideas, but the basic idea is we're going to retrench on spending and we're going to keep supply side policies alive. So it's a balanced budget, not a CBO balanced budget or, you know, a root canal. It's a pro-growth, pro-prosperity balanced budget. And what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And there's an historical precedent for this. It's It happened in uh, 1995 yes. when Newt Gringer first became speaker. And I was there. I was working for Dick Armey at the time. Mm-hmm. He was the majority leader. And Newt came in to everyone's sort of surprise. He's, he went in front of the Republican caucus and said, we're going to do a seven-year balanced budget plan. And, my God, people were fainting. And, oh, <laughs> we can't possibly do that. And they, they did. But they did have the seven-year plan. And it's an amazing story, actually, because... Not only did they um, cut spending, but they also cut taxes. Yeah. And you got growth and lower spending, and we balanced the budget for four straight years. All right. Isn't that something? More money following this program and Liz (laughs) Peak ever present everywhere. I'm Cudlow. We will see you next weekend. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Cudlow Show. 